everybody's gotta eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. The what? I, this is, these are the cans that I bought last week. It, not really. Oh, yeah. And a monster. Yes. Okay. So Francine is like, I think I'm uh, stressing Francine out just because I am all over the map today. But Francine should be the one who's all over the map today because she went out and bought Prime. Are you recording this? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know you started. Yes, I started recording, Francine. People all over the world are listening to us right now. <laughs> I thought we were still doing our pre-talk talk. I didn't know you hit the button. <laughs> oh, no, I hit the button. Maybe the prime did kick in. I don't know. <laughs> well, definitely do with me because I hit the button. All right, so you have to tell us. You have to give us an update. How is prime? Okay, so after our last podcast, I thought, well, I need to try this stuff, you know, because I do drink Monster like one a day, maybe. So I thought, well, I'm going to go see if I can find this prime and try it. So I bought two cans and there is a little bit more caffeine in it. Now, I don't slam A little these. bit more. We just did an episode. It's twice okay. as much. Okay. So anyway, well, but the can's smaller. Yeah. There's twice as much in a smaller can. Okay. Anyway, I don't drink slam this can. First of all, I can make the can last an entire day. I can't say that it. Of course, to hear me talk, I sound like it's had a tremendous impact on my brain this morning anyway. I can't say that it's not making me jump out of my seat or anything. I mean, it's not had a tremendous impact, I don't believe. You know what, though? You were saying, oh, one of your family members has ADHD. They don't need caffeine. It'll make them more hyper. I find that I have to have a continuous drip of caffeine in order to keep me medicated, you might say. It helps me to focus, actually. Well, okay. And that's the thing about people with ADD and ADHD. The caffeine does somewhat help you focus. The prime, yeah. by the way, think it's not really Maybe that once different. you become a little bit older, but as a child, I don't know that that is necessarily the case. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of like medicating. I'm not a doctor, but- But you play one on podcasts? I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> Dr. Shaw, here to answer the questions from the internet. Remember those commercials? Yes. I'm not an attorney, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I would like to say that marketing has gotten better. Maybe it does. I'm telling maybe. I don't know. (laughs) There's also also a coffee here. Okay. So what about the flavor? Was Prime flavored good? Because my kids love the flavor of Prime. No? See, okay. So I'm not big on the fancy flavors. I mean, I get the plain monster with no flavor, Red Bull, like sugar-free, no flavor. So I'm not big on the fancy flavors. Yeah. I prefer the monster, no flavor, sugar-free. There you go. Okay. I'll have to try it. I have to admit that I kind of have my own regiment of things. And after that aspartame conversation, I'm trying to figure out how to wean myself off of the addiction of that. And adding Prime just doesn't seem productive. 
in my weaning well, it process. Probably is not. You know, after that last podcast, I've discovered I probably need to be much more aware of my facial expressions. If Joe's going to throw these out on the <laughs> internet on clips, oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> so readable. I'm like, there's never any doubt about what I'm thinking. It's just poker. No. Yeah. I just, as I stuck my tongue out there about the, I'm just like, I'm so flippant air animated. Okay. So this kind of leads into the talking of the aspartame kind of leads us into the topic of today, which is why food safety is broader than pathogens and allergens. And uh, yeah, we grabbed this directly as a guest opinion from food safety news. And it was a really interesting topic and one I hadn't really thought of. And it's an interesting take on food safety. Because when we talk about food safety, when we do food safety classes, everything tends to be around pathogens and allergens. You know, the broader things that kill people acutely if there is an issue. But this article goes into how food safety is big for counting carbohydrates if you're a diabetic and how labels are really important for people who have that either genetic disorder with a diabetes type A. I believe that's a genetic disorder. You're born with it. Or you know, prolonged dietary issues like I have <laughs> or prediabetes or diabetes type 2. And how important labels are and correct labels are if you have diabetes. And I had never thought of that. I mean, obviously, labels are really important for trying to get healthy and counting calories, all that different type of stuff. But I hadn't really thought of it in terms of a food safety issue for diabetics or anybody that has some sort of disease like that. Think about people who can't maybe process sugar. Yeah. There are people whose bodies can't process sugar. Or, I mean, there's a, just a variety of different reasons that people are reading labels. Food safety affects every aspect of our lives. We all eat food. We can't survive without food. Food, water, we need that to live. We consume food every single day of our lives. So in one aspect or another, food safety affects us every single day of our lives. And it's just not something that we think about we do. <laughs> the average person does not think about food safety. I'm going to say generally, probably not much at all. Yeah. You, you put something in the skillet, you cook it, you stick it in the refrigerator and it's in there. Most people probably don't think about it much at all, but yet it does. It affects us every day and everything we do when it comes to the food that we, that we consume. Okay. So this hit me. So this article was just really, it was really well written in a opinion piece because it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got me one thinking and it really hit me. It hit me in the heart as well. And, and I'm going to read this verbatim. It says estimates from diabetes in UK show that 5 million people in the UK have diabetes. Although not all of these are diagnosed and it is type one for around 400,000 people. So about 400,000 people have type one diabetes in the UK. Nearly 1.9 million Americans have type 1 diabetes. I did not know that was... I knew type 2 diabetes was huge in the United States. I didn't realize that nearly 2 million people have type 1 diabetes, which is so sad for those kids. Because I've seen those... I've seen kids with type 1 diabetes, and they're constantly having to, to monitor and poking themselves. It's just, it's just crazy. 
So back to back to the quote, living with diabetes is difficult. It's re- relentless 24-7, 365 days a year and involves constant weighing of food and carbohydrates, insulin dosage calculations. It says diabetes doesn't just affect you physically, it affects you emotionally too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it totally does because you're mm-hmm. constantly poked and you're constantly having to think exactly what you're eating and that measurements. And so just, we talk about food all the time. Everybody eats and everybody has to eat. And when they eat, they don't want to die. I mean, it's a quote we use all the time, but the chances of dying of a foodborne illness are minute. The chances of of dying with type one diabetes for getting things off aren't. I mean, now more today than in the, in the past, you're, you're safer but it's still a constant struggle. And, you know, we talk about labeling and this is a huge part of their daily life is looking at those labels. Think about the psychological impact that has on those individuals. Yeah. I mean, especially the children, because it sets them apart from their friends. They're, they're different. They're, they know that they're different growing up. How do they deal with that? You know, when you go into some of these, not even just smaller stores, because I can think of a couple larger stores where they make things in-house and you see the containers that aren't labeled properly because the people that are making those products don't understand the importance of those packages being labeled properly. And while you're right, we do talk about it in the sense of life and death, foodborne illnesses and food allergens, most of the time from a diabetes standpoint or something else, it could have, you know, a different type of impact on those individuals, which ultimately could result in death as well. Yeah. And they go on in this and this is, it goes exactly what you're saying. She, uh, he says a diabetic or parent of a diabetic child inspects food labels for the nutritional content of that food, especially carbohydrates. If it's not there, we don't buy it because without it, you can't calculate the insulin dosage required to counteract those carbohydrates. The data is found on all packaged food products, but not on any loose or pre-packed products, nor can you find it on most menus at restaurants, cafes, street vendors, or ice cream vans. And it's, it's, a, it's your, your constant, it's a constant chemistry experiment that you're doing with your body. So, and this is the thing, the parents are very aware and the parents are very careful, but as the children get older and the kids venture out on their own, they don't always realize the ramifications or the importance. So then they start to take unnecessary risks and sometimes buy those things anyway, without realizing right. what they're doing. Whereas maybe if those products were properly labeled, I mean, maybe they would be more aware. I don't know. Freshman year of college, I did AmeriCorps, which is like Peace Corps, but for America. And I was in Big Brother, Big Sister. So Big Brother, Big Sister is a great organization that really helps kids without dads. And I did Big Brother, Big Sister under AmeriCorps. So I had five kids. It was a part-time job for me. I had five boys that I mentored my freshman year of college. Great experience. But one of the kids that I mentored, uh, his sister, younger sister had type one diabetes and his mom, you know, she's a full-time working mom, super just, 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 you could just see she was run ragged trying to maintain life without it, without a husband. Dad just kind of left them all. 
And it was really hard because her daughter had type one diabetes and it was a constant struggle with her because the, the daughter was like, can I please eat this? Can I please eat that? And you could just see it was, it just wore on her because she would be like, um, okay, but we really need to make sure we check the insulin afterwards. And it was like, she really wanted her daughter to experience all those things that her brother was and all of her friends were but was also just struggling with just trying to keep her daughter alive. And it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is real. And it was something I never had to deal with. I had to deal with a lot of stuff in growing up, but never that. And, and I just felt for her and I felt for her daughter. So I have a friend who has a child that is now an adult, but I can remember um, in his early adult years, even maybe late teen, early adult years, he really struggled, you know, in wanting to be like his friends and, you know, not wanting to monitor the way he should monitor monitor, and not wanting to do the things that he should do. And, you know, going out and drinking with his friends and not eating properly and not just doing the things that he should be doing. And it was, it was risky. She worried herself sick about that boy. I mean, just worried herself sick. And it's tough as a parent. It's tough to get through to those kids sometimes that, you know, you can die. <laughs> you know, this isn't something to play with. You can you can die if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And it's like a long-term thing too. It's like you can die quickly if you really jack things up. But if, you, if you're off a little bit over a long period of time, that's when you start losing nerve endings. You start, you know, your, your organs start shutting down and having issues. So it's, it's like something that can kill you acutely diabetes. uh, And it's something that can kill you over a long period of time. Either way, it's, well, I mean, when you're wearing insulin insulin monitors and you have to do the self, you know, the self injections and you, you, it's serious at that point something you need to pay attention to. Anyway, it's just, it's like you said, that it, it's beyond the pathogens and the food yes. allergens that we typically think of. Yeah. And okay. So the author of this is Ron Cook. You can find the article on food safety news. We'll post this in the comments below as well, but thanks Ron Cook for writing a good article and uh, giving us a, a different insight into food safety that I wouldn't have thought of. And, and you know, okay. So to, to take this onto a broader topic of food safety and just kind of the way where we wanted to go and stories about poisoned as well, which we hadn't thought of. So right now we are getting pressured, lobbied, you might say, lobbied. And you may already be thinking about this, but I just don't. By Jonathan Needham. Jonathan Needham, shout out to you for making me think about things that I don't normally think of. The forever chemicals stuff, right? That everybody's talking about. and and forever what like plastics and all these different things that are in the water and food. And I think you and I, or at least I do, I have a hard time digesting anything other than what would go into a HACCP plan because I already am inundated 24 seven by either clients, people in the industry, our podcast by just those things, you know, the acute potential harms that could kill somebody, chemicals, foreign objects, and pathogens and allergens. Those are like what I am focused on. 
And I think that that's kind of what the FDA has been focused on. But in the future, it looks like since they brought the guy in from the uh, that used to work at the EPA, the FDA is looking, I'm guessing the future is going to be looking at these forever chemicals. But the hard part is there's so much stuff constantly coming at us about what can harm us. It starts becoming white noise to me. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Well, it's. I feel like anything that I eat, pick up and eat or drink is like going to kill me at this point. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, you pick up your prime and show it to the world. <laughs> Sorry to the makers of prime, uh, but <laughs> this hasn't been on the market long enough for any. Well, Francine, I mean, well, I'll grab my like, diet. I'll grab my diet Pepsi. You grab your prime. Let's cheers each other. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all loaded with chemicals and those forever chemicals. I think one of the first things, if I'm not mistaken, a year or so ago, it was simply orange juice, I believe was the product. There was a product with problem with that orange juice. And um, I, I know because I, that was like the only orange juice that I have bought for a number of years. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I love this orange juice. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It starts to become like, well, what can we drink and what can we eat? Okay, so we, you know, typically I I don't chicken other than chicken, which now we know that, you know, is the risk of getting chicken at the grocery store that's not contaminated is slim. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the only meat I buy at the grocery store. That you know, the rest of my meat is typically, you know, we live in a rural area, so typically we it, it's raised by, you know, a family member. We butcher, it's butchered and we, we don't buy that at the grocery store. Haven't in right. years. I can't tell you last time I bought meat at the grocery store, but it's like, it doesn't, I feel like even the, well, okay. Our water, we don't have city water. We have well water. Right. So, I mean. So you have to check that as well. Like I had well water as well. It is. Te- yeah. we, we do have it tested. We, test it. We, we also have a conditioner. And we have it treated, even though it's already tested. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's like, it does eventually become white, white noise. noise to yeah. a degree. Not that it's not important. It is important. It's very important. And certainly Jonathan makes it, definitely brings it to my attention. And I do read it. If it wasn't for him, I don't know how aware I would be. Oh, 100%. And I, I tell him all the time. I'm like, um, yeah. Your OCD sometimes drives me crazy, but it also helps me <laughs> see things that I would normally never oh, see because you constantly, you're it. constantly putting it in front of me. Okay, fine. I will look at this. I would uh, not see it. And it's a lot of it's very important. Most of it, if not all of it, is very important information. But like you, you know, it's like you, we have to pick and choose. We're so busy it's like you have to pick and choose. You can't attend or deal with all of it. So you have to pick and choose what you're going to become involved in. You know, it's, 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 uh, I was saying to, I've been saying, so being in California, in the growing up in California, and then being in Colorado, um, Colorado is just it, a more libertarian version of California, right? And so it's a lot of my friends will only eat organic or uh, a lot of my friends are also like vegan. And, you know, they'll, they'll say to me like, why you're in the food industry, you're in the food compliance industry. I was an organic certifier. Why is it that you don't only eat organic? 
and the, my sarcastic answer is, <laughs> you know, sarcasm is, you know, we human beings have gotten to the point where we're worried about dying of cancer. And that's a good thing to be worried about, right? But what I'm trying to do is make sure people don't die acutely from things that they've died, that the vast majority of people died from a hundred years ago, right? Like a lot of deaths were because of foodborne illness. And we've just gotten better at making sure foodborne illnesses aren't acute anymore in the United States, in Europe, in developed countries. Still third world countries, a huge portion of the population is dying of their water, of their food, et cetera. So I, my focus is, is, making, is eradicating third world majority of deaths and less worried about dying over a long period of time of exposure of carcinogens, right? Because that's really what we're talking about is – Organic food, you're you're getting away from human-designed chemicals as opposed to natural chemicals because everything we consume is chemicals. Part of the diabetes we talked about earlier is counteracting your body's chemistry to provide the insulin needed in order to counteract the sugar that comes in. It's, it's a chemistry experiment, right? So everything we eat is chemicals. The process of, mm-hmm. of, of processing it is, is chemistry. But these forever chemicals are interesting because Europe has banned them. And it's like, okay, well, is this something that we can do economically within the United States that gets rid of one less problem over a long period of time for carcinogens? And that's what I really want to understand uh, because, you know, me, most of the time, and I say this a lot on, on the podcast, most of the time, if it goes to people starving to death because they have to buy significantly more expensive food. I don't want to end up in a Malthusian type of society again where people die because there is not enough food, right? right? So if I have a choice of human chemicals that helps grow more crops so that poor people can eat at a cheaper rate and not starve to death, I will always choose that. But if we can create products at a rate at which poor people can buy them and not starve to death, then I think that's something that we need to look at. And I think Jonathan always puts it in front of me because he and I are very different politically. But I'm also intellectually curious. So I'm going to go like, okay, can this be done? And if so, what does that look like? So we, you know, first of all, the organic, people get so wrapped up in the word organic without even understanding exactly what organic is, a lot of them. But we don't have time to talk about all that right now. So we aren't going to. The second thing is, in Europe, there are so many things that they don't allow in Europe, I know. the United States, from cosmetics. And my, my daughter and I talk about this a lot because she works in the cosmetic industry. Um, but from cosmetics to the food we eat, and it is insane. Like, you know, you can't buy Skittles. <laughs> right, because of the food dye additives. Or like Ho-Ho's or those Swiss rolls or, yeah. you know, there are so many things that we consume here, Mountain Dew, that they don't permit because of the chemicals that are in the product and they've determined that they're not good for you at a serious enough level that they don't permit them to be sold. Yeah. Now, I don't think that any of those products would be considered, you know, inexpensive enough or detrimental enough that anybody's going to starve to death if we don't sell them. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? So to your point, I agree with you. You know, I I, I agree with what you're saying 100%. But I do think 
you know, I don't think it has to be one extreme or the other. No, and and you I would somewhere yeah. in the middle. I agree, and and, and that uh, that will be an interesting journey for me to look into that because now I now I'm intellectually curious. It's 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 been put in front of me. Thank you, Jonathan. Enough. That now I'm like, ah, shoot. It's embedded a piece in my brain where now I have to go research it. So it'll be, it'll be fun. I, I'm sure we're going to end up talking about this a lot on here. But before we go and finish this episode, we said we would not do another episode on Poisoned, and we're not. But I have been getting so many people coming to me about how impactful Poisoned was for them that I just wanted to, to check with you to see, do you have any stories too? And I'll give you a couple stories. And my wife already told you, <laughs> but one was my wife almost had a panic attack in the produce section of the grocery store, trying to pick lettuce for salad. And this is very fascinating for me because my whole entire career, and I've known my wife since I was 15 years old. So my whole entire journey of food safety, she has been at a front row seat with. I literally had lists of companies not to buy produce from because they would fail like every audit that we ever did. And she would, she never bought from them. But poison so affected her that she almost had a panic attack in the produce industry trying to find lettuce. That to me was absolutely amazing. The second story was we have to do constantly, we have social workers in our house because of foster care. One of our home supervisors was at our house. She saw my green room in my basement where I recorded like hundreds of videos for food safety a long time ago when I had a company called Train to Comply. She was asking about that. And I was like, oh, I made food safety videos. And she's like, oh, have you watched that movie Poison? And I said, yeah. And so we ended up in this long conversation about how that really affected her. And then she calls my wife back as she's driving down the driveway asking what type of lettuce she should buy. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really hitting people. And another person just last night was at my house talking to me about poison and was shocked because they were just shocked at what like the, the statistics on the chicken. And we're like, isn't in other countries, don't they don't allow farmers and, and stuff if they have salmonella through? And I'm like, I don't know, I'll have to research that. But they were shocked at the, the salmonella and chickens. And it, it's just like story after story after story mm -hmm. of this where – I really think it's having an effect. I mean, I don't have any studies to show like if it really does have an effect, but just anecdotally, the stories that I'm hearing, yeah. What, what are you experiencing? You know, I've had multiple conversations, but I, I was relating to Tracy's story when I was talking to Tracy earlier on the phone because I was in the grocery store and I wanted to get, wanted to get lettuce. <laughs> and I'm standing there. And, you know, I've done what I do for a really long time and I've had some awful experiences in restaurants. I was a health inspector, for God's sake. You know, and I could leave and go have lunch. Nothing. Yeah. We've had some, you know, bizarre conversations during meals. Nothing bothers me. It just, just really doesn't. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at the lettuce. Now, I will buy bagged lettuce. I've bought it for years. I'm not going to tell you that the thoughts don't go through my head about the mixed greens in the bags, but. I still would buy it. And I'm standing there looking at this lettuce in the produce section. And I'm thinking, I walked away with none. <laughs> I left with no lettuce. Are you serious? Wow. My wife did the same thing. She had my mother-in-law buy the lettuce and she was like, oh, that way I, I don't have to worry about it. And I'm like, I just, I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, mm, you know, well, I, 
I used to buy romaine lettuce all the time because that's just what, but now it's like, you know, over the last several years, there've been so many outbreaks with romaine lettuce and it's like, I rationalize everything in my head, all these thoughts. And, you know, it's not like I stood there for 30 minutes looking at the lettuce because it happens very, you know, it's like the flash scenes you see in the heavens <laughs> very fast. In my yeah. Head. yeah. I turned around and I just walked away without the lettuce, just, just left without the lettuce. And then it's wow. like when you go to a restaurant to eat now, again, because I've been in so many situations in the back of the house, I took my granddaughter to the zoo. We talked about that in the last podcast and God bless her. We left the zoo and, you know, what we ate, we ate when we were in the zoo and we got pizza. Pizza's safe, pretty much. <laughs> it's, you know, this is how we think. And um, we laughed and we were in the city and not that there's wrong with any restaurants in the city. That's not, I don't want a bunch of negative emails. That's not at all what I'm saying. But again, you have to take into consideration what I do for a living. I don't know what is and what isn't. And I'm not just feeding me, I'm feeding my granddaughter. So we're hungry and we, you know, want to get something to eat. And I'm like, okay, so we'll just eat when we get back to an area and a facility, basically, that I know. I, I said the name of the restaurant, but I said, is that okay? Will you be okay till then? And she was like, yeah, that's fine. Of course, now I didn't go into any details with her or anything, but it's kind of like, I, I'm definitely, and it'll last for a while, but I'm definitely myself more aware and thinking about it more than I was before I watched that. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to the, it goes back to the white noise things that we were talking about, right? It's just white noise. I mean, people go, oh yes, I can get sick from eating food, but they don't, it's not, it's not their everyday worry. It's not on the top. Like if they're queuing up the things that they're thinking about, it definitely doesn't land in the top 10. Right. Right. But now I think with that poisoned, with that poisoned episode, it really started raising up that cue into that top 10 for a lot of people, which I think is fascinating. Because mm -hmm. I remember you and I having a conversation about, do we really think that this will have any effect whatsoever? Yes or no. And I remember saying, I hope so, but I don't think it really is. Like I literally thought, nah, I think people are going to continue back on their daily lives, which I think will probably happen in a few months. But what I say, like I'm optim like optimistically hopeful or something. Yeah, something like that. And man, it really has. So I and I don't want people to get the perception that it's like, a, oh my god, don't go here and don't eat there and don't because it's not right, right. at all that type of documentary at all. It's you know to each their own and what they take away from it. it it's very well done, and it's not, in my opinion, you know, it isn't swayed one way or another. It's very it's very factual. I as a consultant several years ago, had an experience where I did a consulting job for a facility. And when we went in, there was a situation, it was, it was a cockroach infestation. And I can remember, the, I, I don't remember if I told you about this or not, but just the, the short of it is they had fumigated, they, they had um, fogged the building, cockroaches were falling from the ceiling. Like I had called the girl that was working with me and said, you know, wear, wear a hooded sweatshirt because you don't want them falling down the back. Of your yes, yes, yes. The story, so, yes. Um, anyway, they were literally falling from the ceiling. You couldn't walk without them like crunching on the floor. So we went in to do that. And it was, it was, it was just, it was just bad. The place was really, really bad. And it was a long day. There were a lot of issues. And this day, 
we ended up having to go back then. This was on a Friday. We ended up having to go back on a Monday, and there were cockroaches that were still alive. Oh, no. After fumigating? This had such an impact on me that I couldn't, like, eat. And this brand, typically, it's not their standard. I had worked for them. I'd done training for them. It's not their standard, and I knew that. This place had just gone rogue. But I had character wood floors in my house at that point. They had dark knots on the floor. And... Again, I knew the brand well, but it was months till I could, if I caught like a, a piece of a fuzz off a brown, we had a brown blanket on the floor or one of those knots out of the corner of my eye on, from the wood on the floor till I wouldn't react in a sense that I thought it was a bug on my floor or something or until I wow. could go into that brand and eat. It just had that kind of psychological impact which is very rare for me to act that way. This documentary, not to that extreme, not to that extreme, because this was this was a really bad situation, but almost had the same type of lower level huh. impact. You know what I mean? Yep, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Wow. People are definitely reacting in the positive sense. It made them more aware and has made, made them think. Yeah. And conscientious about what's happening. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, on that note, don't eat cockroaches and don't eat poop. <laughs> don't eat poop. <laughs>